0: Well, hello there, it's your dear friend and host, your festive little elf, Chappie. Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese is the podcast you're listening to, and it's episode 143 today. And today, I think we're going to be very, very calm, we're going to be very zen-like, and I'm going to introduce you to what you need on a Friday before a full moon, Yes, it's a full moon. Now, I have read that if you roast and fry some beautiful bacon just before a full moon, it'll give you good luck for the whole month. It'll give you a certain serenity, serenity now for the whole month of December. And that's what you're looking for. So we're going to try this out. We have some beautiful thick sliced organically hickory smoked bacon and we're going to fry it live on air or bake it i'm actually going to be baking it in a panini press now the panini press is a wonderful thing can you hear it clicking and bubbling already it can squeeze out most of the fat from the bacon so bacon actually becomes a healthy snack so we're going to try that today And as I said, sometimes I do the uh, podcast when I'm hungry. Sometimes I do it when I'm as full as a goose. Uh, Today, we're going to try bacon before a full moon. Uh, We're basically going to be, I'm dreaming of bacon on a panini press, just like I used to roast it before. Yeah, so crispy bacon. All right. So here's the panini press. It Basically, you can, you can put anything in there. If you want to iron your shirt or get that crease in your trousers, you can put it in a panini press like you can in a trouser press. So anyway, we have the bacon. The bacon is open. I didn't have any scissors, and I was desperate, so I used the secateurs, the sort of secateurs that you use to trim your bush. No, the bush outside, people. Get your mind out of the gutter. Okay, so here we go. I'm getting the bacon, and I'm going to... Pop it into the panini. Oh, lovely, lovely. Okay, and we get our second one. And you know what? I'm going for a three three rashers today. And then you close the lid. It's like a medieval torture device, but you're gonna make the bacon crisp up even more. And the bacon goes down and now it's crisping. So anyway, welcome along to the show. I hope this, I mean, I see this as like water running over you. This is like a zen-like experience of crackling cooking bacon. If If only I could make this show scratch and sniff, you could then smell the essence of the bacon emanating from this panini press. And it's the best way to cook bacon. But you know what? We all need that serenity now, just before the holidays. And I do feel like bacon... In a sandwich before the holiday season or at the holiday season can give you that calmness that you need especially on a Friday when you may be doing some Christmas shopping you may start wrapping you may be popping up that tree you may be shaking down those baubles and as I said earlier if you have your baubles and they're too glittery shake them off vigorously don't let glitter gather on your baubles this Christmas Shake them off vigorously, and then you can have them very well hung on the tree. Anyway, so the bacon's cooking here. I'm going to make myself a delicious bacon sandwich, and I'm going to continue with the show. But there we go. Nice, crispy bacon just before a full moon. You'll be dreaming of bacon on a panini press this Christmas, too. The beauty of a panini press is it doesn't get too messy. You know how your pans get really messy and icky? Well, it has a little, uh, little tray where it, it, it all filters down. I mean, you know when you're watching water in a river go into tributaries and how relaxing that is? Watching the bacon grease funnel down through these little tributaries on the panini press is a wondrous thing. And you're pressing it out, you're squeezing the fat out is basically like liposuctioning the bacon with this panini press. I'm pressing it down firmly. Yes, nice and firm. Yes, there you are. Nice bacon sandwich on a Friday morning. There you go. So I hope you're doing well today. Some of the things that we may or may not be talking about on the podcast today, and it is a very, very special Friday, three weeks almost before Christmas. Yes, yeah, so Friday before, three weeks before Christmas here. And some of the things that we may or may not be talking about on the podcast. We're going to shake those baubles down. Have you ever had the wrong shoes for Home Depot? Have you ever seen a gentleman with a man bun work very hard? Have you ever tried whorehound flavor? Evolving manly hands from soft baby hands is almost an evolution. Have you ever plied hauler Notes? Russian Roulette, White Chocolate Bread Pudding Structure Issues. We'll be talking about that. Shanks Pony. Have you ever heard of Shanks Pony? Parsnip. We're going to be reintroducing Parsnip onto the show. Uh, And also, Why Won't People Take My Blood? Uh, Also, The Traversy of Jobs Man is back again, and uh, he catches me doing something. We're talking more about The Beatles' Get Back, that wonderful documentary. That uh, I mean, it takes like an absolute aeon, but it's all beautiful, beautiful show wonderful show i had another crazy uber driver love myself a cuckoo crazy uber driver we'll be talking about that again things on the podcast we don't always fit it into the show we may fit it in tomorrow or we may fit it in over the coming weeks here but that is the essence of the show we have some more rubbish poker and some trump or trombone and i'm rushing because i don't want my bacon to burn oh the smell emanating from uh, the panini press is rather lovely I am going to try something I haven't tried before. Live on the podcast, I'm going to crack an egg on the panini press and see what happens. I tell you, this is, uh, this is exciting. This is like Evil Knievel doing that stunt. stunt. Just imagine if he, Evil Knievel fried a couple of eggs whilst he was doing his jumps. That is what this is. It's frying an egg, live on a panini press. Oh, there we go. And, and all the the egg is splattering everywhere, but it's uh, it's sort of like again, gradually the egg, the beautiful egg white is dripping down the tributaries of the panini press, and uh, there we go. It's 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 frying beautifully. I don't know. I don't know if I should put the lid down or not. Oh ho, 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 yes. The lid has gone down. It is no longer sunny side up. So there we go. We've got the panini press going. I need to... I need a little bit of that. At least some butter on the bread trap. Okay. So let's get a little bit of butter. I'd like a little bit of butter. Gosh, I haven't got any brown sauce. I saw the worst review of HP, Hazard of Parliament, brown sauce, the other day. I can't believe it. Oh, there we go. That sort of worked okay. All right. So, yeah, I, I don't think you can put the egg on the panini press with anything else. But, okay, this might go over all my equipment and cut me off air. Uh, where's my spatula? Get a spatula out here. And here we go. This looks like the egg sandwich from the start of with Nail and I, where all the eggs gonna fire out the back here. There we go. We'll... Beautifully bacon and egg sandwich here to kick off your Friday morning again. If you're trying to reach that serenity, that zen-like spirit before Christmas, this could be the uh, start of your day that you require. Anyway, I shall be back after I take a bite of the sandwich and uh, we'll get everything set up nice and neatly as we always do. Away from the grease, away from the splattering eggs and the delicious organic bacon. We'll see you on the other side. I hope you're having something delicious for breakfast too. You'll be very pleased to hear that everything has very little grease on it, but I I want to introduce you some hair care ideas before Christmas. Forget the expensive hair moisturizers, hair conditioners, deep treatments here. What you need to do this year, ladies and mantelpieces, get some bacon grease, And just smother it liberally through your hair. Scatter it through your hair. Make sure you rub it and massage it into the roots of the hair. And you're going to basically have your hair beautifully moisturized for the whole of Christmas. And you know what? If you're out there dating and you want that sort of aroma. If you want to attract the member of the opposite sex or same sex, whatever floats your boat. Then... The bacon grease gives you that allure. It gives you that musk that you need that will attract anybody. It will even attract vegans. I mean, it's that, it's that aroma that spells out attraction and beauty and connection. And the musk of the bacon grease on your hair this holiday season could make a difference to I mean, I don't, I don't need this. I'm, I'm incredibly happy. But you know, if I even want to spruce up things in, in the relationship, I add a little bit of bacon grease on there. It, it really does work wonders here. And as I said, I have known it. convert the odd, and not so odd, vegan. So I just realized that I think with the whole smell of bacon going around here and the crispiness and then the beautifully cooked egg and everything else, I'm sort of soporific today. I found myself uh, just before, right at the beginning of the podcast here, I just, I, I found myself, I, I couldn't speak. So this is one of the, you know, I took this as an edit, taken this out, but it sounds awful. It sounds like I haven't got my teeth in or something. Or I've got like a, a rash of bacon stuck in my tooth or something. But this is what happened uh, really right at the start, at the, at the front of the show here. To convert your the ba- uh, old vegan... Yeah, so I mean, I can't talk about converting vegans at all. convert your bacon, uh, old vegan. Was I converting bacon or was I converting vegans? I mean, I just don't know what's going on. To convert your bacon, uh, old vegan. Yes, I, I think I was trying to convert bacon and vegans at, at the same time. So that, that really probably isn't a good idea right at the start of, uh, of the podcast. So welcome along. So I just wanted to put this out here. So, I mean, call me old fashioned. But if you have a worker that comes around and uh, they have tied up a man bun. Now, I, I'm not the most trusting of the man bun, I have to say. I sometimes think they might be clipped on. I mean, is it just sort of some sort of addition to one's wardrobe? An accessory. Is a man bun an accessory? But it doesn't really spell out to me that the person's going to be a particularly hard worker. But I think I may have to revisit this. Because I think tying up a man bun in the morning, or even if it's a clip-on man bun, then there's a lot of work that goes into that. So I'm thinking the person, you know, takes some sort of uh, interest in their appearance and they want to make themselves look good. I mean, I don't think the man bun looks good. But in their mind's eye, they think that they look like some sort of Hesuit Adonis. But, I mean, I, think I have to revisit it. Because I think that type of work, that sort of effort in the morning. But is it too much effort, one thinks? So is putting that sort of effort into your hair in the morning, is it going to make you tired when it comes to all that manual labor, construction, All the odd jobs that you might be doing. Maybe you'll be too tired. Maybe you'll need a siesta at 10 o'clock in the morning. Fixing up a man bun is exhausting work, I'm sure. I know combing through my curly hair, trying to straighten it is is exhausting work. And I sort of need an immediate siesta. So does it indicate to you, the listener, of Keep Combing Cauliflower Cheese, does it indicate to you that the person's a hard worker, but they're putting that effort into their appearance, trying to make themselves look their best selves or does it indicate to you that it's going to be incredibly uh, they're going to be incredibly tired but they've already done a day's work tying up that man bud at the beginning of the day apparently pigs feast on avocados after australia grows too many the rise of the world's most instagram fruit began in the early 1990s when a simple dish appeared in a sydney cafe run by a chef, Bill Granger, it consisted of avocado, lime, sea salt and olive oil served on toast. Now, after almost three decades, during which legions of fitness bloggers, food stylists and celebrities turned the concept into a global social media food cliché, Australia is once again the scene for the defining moment of history in terms of the avocado. The country is facing what the industry insiders scientists have called an launch, a blockbuster avocado harvest after years of drought has coincided with the lengthy lockdowns in australia's two biggest cities that shut down the hospitality sector meanwhile tens of thousands of avocado trees planted over the past few years to meet growing demand have started to bear fruit and because of border closures many growers have struggled to find foreign workers to pick up their crops australia suddenly has far more avocados than it knows what to do so with the fruit, even with minor blemishes, is being rejected. Rather than being smashed, paired with a poached egg, sprinkled with activated pumpkin seeds, and arranged on a carefully charred gluten-free bread for aesthetically demanding millennial brunch customers, these avocados have instead become unceremoniously thrown to the pigs. It's not great optics, but the pigs love that type of food, and the farmers know that they can get a lot for the ham, They've added their very, very lucky pigs. I mean, we're talking about like 28,000 tons in Queensland. In New South Wales, we've got like 6,000 tons, 3,600 tons in South Australia. It's unbelievable. So the pigs are chomping down on the avocados. I mean, this must be the chagrin. This must be like a nightmare. This may give some millennials nervous breakdowns to see these porkers going at these avocados with their voracious snouts, just pressing them and coddling them right into their gullets. I mean, it it probably is upsetting, bringing tears to the eyes of a bunch of millennials. As I said earlier, cook your bacon instead. Replace the avocado with the classic bacon sandwich and there we go you, you won't be crying anymore you know and you're getting yourself back on the pigs as well but i'm wondering i mean does the avocado flavor seep through the uh, pork does is that is that does it give it that flavor i mean does avocado even have a very very strong flavor but there we go we have masses of avocado wastage in this avalanche that's going on in south australia and the pigs are feasting, that all their Christmases have come early, and they're gluttonously feasting with their snouts, pulling these avocados apart and filling their very, very full bellies. I don't know about you, but have you ever felt that you are not dressed appropriately for an occasion? You slipped on the hoodie when you should have had the black tie or something along those lines. Well, I always feel that way. When I go into Home Depot, Home Depot as the English pronunciation. I have to go across two different pronunciations, my English self and uh, living in America so people understand me. So anyway, when you go into Home Depot, nearly everybody there has, you know, they have the hoodies, they have the jeans on and they have a pair of tennis shoes, sneakers, trainers, whatever you to call them. Now, I got some very strange looks when I was in there. Whenever I go in there, to be honest, because I, I think they think that I should be going to get a manicure pedicure rather than being in Home Depot. And true, you know, lifting up any sort of slab, I, I do worry about ruining my my nice, neat nails, pedicures. Well, not that I'm lifting up my feet, my manicures, sorry. God, that would be a little bit weird if a man was uh, in Home Depot lifting up heavy slabs of his feet. Firstly, very impressive. Secondly, you could give yourself an ingrown toenail, I would think um but anyway i feel like i have the wrong pair of shoes i have a pair of brown polished slip-on loafers you know that probably would uh would be very nice in savile row but probably not in home depot and i get a lot of stares i get a lot of looks i'm thinking well maybe my shoes aren't polished enough no i haven't got the slightly uh slightly discolored white sneakers that everybody else has And, you know, I I am a little worried when I do take the polished brown loafers into Home Depot that I'm getting all sorts of dust and Umska all over them. So I'm going to have to give them an immediate polish as soon as I get back. But yes, I I don't feel like I fit in. You know, I'm probably uh, more uh, happy and ensconced in a wine and cheese party in a turtleneck with the polished loafers than Home Depot where I'm uh, getting all sorts of... uh, uh, slab dust and uh, wood dust and all the rest of the things. And it could like, really scuff up the shoes there. It cause an awful, awful, terrible trouble. On a similar topic, I've had very, very soft baby hands for my whole life. I mean, not that I have, like, small Trump hands or anything like that. I mean, you know, I have a very large hand. No, not what, well, hands. Pierre, I don't have one small hand and one large hand, like a uh, some sort of clown or something. No, so I, I, I feel like I have baby soft hands. I don't moisturise them anything. As my dad said, yeah, you've never done a day's work in your life, boy. No, I have, but you know, holding a pencil or a, a quill. A quill, a quill is mightier than sword. Didn't you know that? A quill, a pen, a quill is mightier than sword. So, but I have found that the trips to Home Depot are making me a, a lot more manly. I mean, when I probably was uh, skirting on the side of maybe unmanly or metrosexual, I've now going to Home Depot and lifting up heavy slabs. I feel like I'm becoming more manly, and I think the uh, I think the dust and all the uh, you know the remnants of uh, sawdust and everything else makes one's hands more manly, more rough. But I do feel like sometimes when I shake hands, people think, you know, oh, my God, he's just soft. He must moisturize his babies in absolutely beautifully soft hands. Well, yes, but I, I need to roughen them up, I think. I need to roughen them up because there's a lot of people out there, men and women, with quite rough hands. And when I shake it, they think, well, what have you been doing? Have you been in hibernation since the age of two? How have your hands become that soft? maybe it's just using fairy liquid my whole life keeping the hands mild mild when you do the dishes the fairy liquid does keep the hands soft and the cuticles at minimal uh but that i i I feel like i do need to evolve into a more manly hand as i get older and i mean i'm 44 now so i mean there's no time like the present how can i rough my hands up more i think carrying things you know as my dad said you better get a good day's work in there boy you know that would probably uh make my hands a little bit more manly scruff them up a little bit they need a little bit more scruff and then i'll truly know that when i shake hands with somebody that'll say oh, this this guy's lived a life he's probably done lots of manual labor rock climbing and all other sort of pursuits rather than my very soft, baby, beautiful, conditioned hands that have been moisturized every day of my life. The idea of teleporting yourself into the body of a robot to hug a relative on the other side of the world might seem like science fiction, but the British startup Rea is making it science facts. CyberSelves, a small robotics company spun out of Sheffield University, has created a technology that essentially Let's users become a robot by feeling, hearing, and seeing the same things that it does in real time. You can control a robot on another continent from where you are. You can see it for its camera, control its head, its hands, interact with objects, and get a feeling of the weight and texture of an object it is touching. That's, sounds a little bit inappropriate. Uh, Calmillary said that he used the technology to ascend his grandmother's birthday party despite it being a thousand miles away i was at a conference in lisbon but with the handset with me i could go to malta say happy birthday to my grandma give her a hug and attend the festivities the company's technology has placed it among the last 15 of a 10 million global robotics competition, the Avatar X Prize, and it's one of only two British finalists. The winner will need to show that it's created a robotic avatar system that somebody can use to see, hear, and interact with the environment far away in a manner that feel that they're truly there. The other British finalist is TouchLab, based at Edinburgh, which has developed a very thin electronic skin that gives robots a human-like sense, touch, and feel. Cybercells does not create the machinery itself, but it's built software that works with almost any type of robot that works with almost any type of robot the user can take control. The system works with virtual reality headsets, joysticks, or haptic gloves linked to a robot through the cloud via Animus, a platform that Cybercells have created. The degree to which the users can feel that the robot is holding or touching is partly dependent on the sensors the robot has. It plans to advertise it initially to businesses that can use robots in their work, such as nuclear decommissioning, uh, construction and offshore wind power producers. I mean, you wouldn't want somebody, uh, you wouldn't want a robot that's like being recycled from nuclear decommissioning used to hug your granny. You'd make your granny radioactive. I'm also wondering if the hands of the robot, you know, when you have... This uh, situation where you're, you're you're virtually hugging, and then the robot the other side of the world or continent is then hugging your grandmother or your aunt. Will it feel cold? But the robot's hands are very cold. I mean, I guess it's like an old people's hands are quite often quite cold. So maybe that's not a bad thing. But my fear with this is getting into the wrong hands, the wrong AI evil hands, and then you create yourself a robotic hansy uncle so i like to preach quality content here on keep coming cauliflower cheese and uh, this week we did have in the world the largest belch ever recorded decibel wise not the longest but the largest but first of all we're going to hear some of the classics from the past so these are some of the biggest belches until we have a drum roll to the largest belch ever recorded. Is that a bear? A man in Australia has broken the world record for the loudest burp Having managed to belch a sound that's even larger than an electric drill, Neville Sharp, the Darwin North Territory uh, gentleman, broke a record that stood for more than a decade, admitting he wanted to seize the crown from the British record holder. It was their very own belching ashes. His burp registered. 112.4 decibels on the 29th of July 2021, later telling Guinness World Records that he's more excited he'd broken the record. According to Guinness, his belch was louder than the average electric drill or trombone. Neville, like most children, was taught how to burp by his older sister Sandy. Picking up the skillet at age six, Neville has been honing the art of erupting on, that's erupting, on a command ever since. 45 years later, Neville decided to put his belching abilities to the test and attempt the official Guinness World Record title of the loudest burp. Sharp's victory was partly down to his wife, KP, who coached him through the past decade, but also encouraging him, insisting he should attempt to break the record. But the road to success was by no means instant. It took Sharp five years of training to perfect the strength of the noise level of his burp. Mind you, he said the biggest obstacle wasn't anything to his skill, but was actually ensuring that he had the necessary equipment to measure his burp correctly. Eventually headed to a, an acoustically dampened studio to make sure he could accurately uh, get a decibel reading. My reason was attempting to break this record was to be the world record holder. The secondary reason was because the world record was held by an Englishman. And I never want a pom to beat me. I never want a pom to beat me you great gala. the record previously was held by paul hunter of the uk who burped his way to the top of the reading of 109.9 decibels very very impressive stuff but let's hear it. it makes you wonder where these guys from there go from here i mean they have a talent but how do they harness this talent into bigger and better things and make a career out of it making money out of it Give themselves a huge salary. I think this is where these big belchers can go from here. Start belching out at Christmas number one. From my very favourite, very British problems. Say again, I wasn't listening. Pardon? I didn't hear you, uh, what are you on about? You what? What the hell are you on about? What did you just say? I might have to fight you. I beg your pardon. I might have to challenge you to a duel, sir. And then on December the 1st. Mull everything. If it moves, mullet. Wine, mullet. Cider, mullet. Water, mullet. Socks, mullet. Pigeons, mmm, get them mulled. Hair, mullet. Kettle, fill it with mull. Mull Everything Around the World absolutely loved Get Back the Beatles special, uh, Peter Jackson's Beatles special on the Disney Channel, Disney Plus. It was fantastic. But it does make you wonder Peter Jackson missed out and all the LSD, marijuana use. Come on, Peter, just give us an adult version of it. I want to see the creative cloud of psychedelia i mean it was absolutely fascinating i mean i love how they're sitting around and paul uh, paul mccartney is just playing around with ideas early ideas i mean i think in the second episode he was strumming along another day from his uh, mccartney one album the 1970 that released very much just after the beatles split and then the early sort of utterings and etchings of Long and Winding Road. What a magnificent song that is. The evolution and the changes to uh, why you're standing here. I mean, it's so, it's so fascinating seeing this. And you, you think they were at loggerheads, wouldn't be able to sit together. But so much joy and love between all of them. And then, I mean, when Paul said, when him and Ringer were just there, well, it's just the two of us now. How pathetic was that? Absolutely. It was an amazing documentary. And then right at the end, the uh, policemen were trying to get the uh, outdoor concert at Savile Row on the roof stopped. And people were just standing around listening and uh, people were interviewing the street because you couldn't see them. And they said, well, who's that? Is and they said, it's the Beatles. And it, absolutely amazing documentary. I mean, it's like two or three hours each episode, three episodes, but it goes right just like that. And the amount of tea and toast and marmalade, I wonder what sort of marmalade, do you think it were a thick cut marmalade crew or were they a, uh, maybe more the slender, the finely sliced, the sliver, the golden shred type of marmalade, but they d- drink more tea and eat more marmalade than I've probably had the whole of my life but I highly recommend it, if not just for the music, just to see the interactions and see how much, how much hard work Paul McCartney puts in, how amusing John Lennon is. Harrison is a little bit more moody, a bit more edgy, but together they're fantastic. And then Ringo Starr, an amazing, sometimes unheralded drummer. A chef has created a one kilogram Christmas pie Stuffed with turkey, sprouts, roast potatoes and pigs in blankets. The pie was created by Gareth Mason 34, a master baker from Bolton in the UK. He calls it a northerner's best Christmas present. It's a whole hunk of pie. I wouldn't even want to count the calories in it. We shredded sprouts, roast carrots, parsnips, diced turkey breast, roast potatoes, stuffing balls and turkey gravy. All encased in a big thick shortcuts pastry shell. It would feed a family of four in one pie. It's a self-contained Christmas dinner. Explaining his technique, Mason said, i made the pastry quite thick so it holds itself in the dish. I used around 500 grams of pastry. The pie itself may be at least one kilogram's worth of filling. It's a good feast. He created the dish whilst experimenting with the Christmas menu at the Absolute Bar in Bistro in West Halton, where he's head chef. What about a Christmas dinner that tastes like in a pie? He blind-baked the pastry and pre-roasted the filling before stuffing the pie. The result was delicious. It tastes exactly like the Christmas dinner. There's gravy in the pie to bind it so the filling isn't too loose. He's planning to do a smaller version for his festive pub menu. Mason showed where his culinary taste lay last month when he, when he mocked the gold-covered steaks prepared by the celebrity chef Salt-Buy. The Bolton chef ordered his own 24-carat smothered pie, chips, sausage butties, And bacon at the smidgen of the price. Just make sure you have plenty of Alka Salsa when you tuck into that pie. A quick question to you Have you ever played Hauler Notes Russian Roulette? Now, I think my playlist is so packed, it's almost as packed as that pie with Hauler Notes. I mean, you can't beat a bit of Hauler Notes, but I'm just wondering if I shuffle my Pandora playlist a number of times. How many times will it take me to find an Hall Notes song? I mean, have your guesses now at the ready. It's absolutely packed to the raster with Hall Notes. So let's have a look. Here we go. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Number 14, Jingle Bell Rock. Have you ever heard of Whorehound? It's a flavored sweet, a flavored candy. I'd never heard of it before, but wanted to illuminate to you, the Keep Coming Cauliflower Cheese listener, Whorehound is apparently a plant that grows in many parts of the world and has an extremely better taste. The leaves can be brewed as tea or chewed to soothe a sore throat. It's also used in herbal remedies to cough colds and even in candy. It's important to know that whorehound should not be consumed by pregnant women because it has negative effects. So what is whorehound? Whorehound is a perennial herb in the mint family that grows in the mediterranean region the egyptian god of sky and light horus may have been the inspiration for naming whorehound the old english name hahun, means downy plant describes the white hair that gives it a hoary experience and appearance i want to ask you a question so have you ever had a white chocolate bread pudding structure issue I mean, what do you, who do you call in? I mean, when you have structure issues with building, buildings, you need to call in some sort of construction expert, maintenance compliance officer. But who do you call in when you have a structural issue with a white chocolate bread pudding? I mean, how can there be a structural issue with a white chocolate bread pudding? But surely the more moist the bread is, the better the pudding is. If it's more soaked in white chocolate, then you've got yourself a better bread pudding. I mean, would you like to have a dry bread pudding? But I think dryness is, is the worst thing that can happen. I mean, whether it's skin, whether it's uh, in a bread pudding, whether it's in a turkey breast, whatever it is, it can be absolutely awful. So, okay, you can have a hardier bread. You can add a brioche or a croissant or something like that. But you cannot, you cannot complain about the structure of bread pudding. Because all bread pudding is good. Unless there's, there's not enough moisture to it. That's my opinion. So the next time somebody questions your structure of a bread pudding, ask them if they want to have a dry old ship next time. Because if you flood, if you give the bread pudding a tsunami of white chocolate or goodness or treacle or whatever it is, caramel, then you have yourself a celebrated bread pudding. I mean, you basically want your bread pudding to go down like the Titanic under a flood of white chocolate goodness. It's December the 3rd, but I want to give you, the listeners, the rules for Whamageddon. Whamageddon. These are the rules. The first rule, the objective is to go as long as possible without hearing Wham's classic Last Christmas. The second rule, the game starts on December the 1st and ends on midnight December 24th. The third rule, only the original version applies. Enjoy the F out of the remixes and covers. Number four, you're out as soon as you recognize the song. And the bonus rule, post on social media with the Whamageddon hashtag when you get a hit. While you can't stop from deliberately sending your friends to Whamhalla, the intention is that it's a survival game, not a battle royale. So don't be a dick. Okay. So, a little bit of a mini Trump or Trump bone here. Ugandan man arrested for selling fried grasshoppers on a flight. A Ugandan man has been arrested for selling fried grasshoppers as snacks to fellow passengers on a Uganda Airlines flight, despite the airline saying it would now consider adding them to the menu. A video of Paul Mubira selling the delicacy known as Nasini from a blue plastic bag went viral after it filmed by the Hajib Kugunda, another passenger on the Dubai bound flight from Entebbe on Friday both men were arrested by police by the Entebbe international airport on Monday and could be now be jailed they were charged with creating a nuisance refusing to follow aircraft crew instructions engaging activity that could facilitate the spread of infectious disease uh, this happened at a time our passengers were on, uh, boarding and it was very disrupted. We don't condone the acts of passengers selling nisneen and low standards of serving it to people who were actually even buying it. I mean, the thing is here, you know what? I think I would buy some fried grasshoppers because some of the aeroplane food, I mean, fried spam, fish that's been overcooked, chicken that, I mean, doesn't really taste like chicken, All ta- everything tastes like chicken. But the chicken on airplane flights does not taste like chicken and then beef that's boiled probably for 20 years you know what i do not eat airplane food anymore i will have food before the flight or take a huge sandwich onto the flight you know fried grasshoppers would be welcoming because if i forgot to get food before i boarded the aircraft i may want a fried grasshopper i'd eat a fried grasshopper before the chicken malaise that uh, that may occur on the flight that's for sure i think they should introduce fried grasshoppers onto all airplane flights instead of peanuts i mean these sort of insipid peanuts that are so salty you need a I i mean there's not enough water on the airplane after eating those peanuts but a fried grasshopper could just get you through the whole transatlantic journey Thank you so much for joining and indulging yourself in this podcast today. Keep coming, Cauliflower Chains. It's lovely to have you here around the festive season. Hopefully, I bring a little bit of warmth into your hearts and into your homes with the odd chuckle here and there. And that's what I want. But uh, you can listen to the podcast across every possible platform. Uh, Apple Music, it's on Apple Podcasts. You have it on Spotify there's a audio version on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Amazon Music, Audible, all of them. Basically, as, as my baubles brush the Christmas tree as I was decorating earlier this week, I heard Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese emanating from the fake furs. I didn't even have to trim any of the bush back. Perfect. absolute perfect. Uh, but, uh, you know, I will be back uh, for the podcast we'll have another one before the end of the weekend for your delectation as a listener uh, but uh, if you like music though if you like music with your nonsense chat then the spotify edition with the musical butler emporium playlist will be for you such wonderful artists as jamie cullum we have robert downey jr singing the beautiful classic uh, river we have the foals we have Suede, or London Suede. We have Reef. We have some Bet Midler, believe it or not. We have some Hall & Oates, lots of Beatles and McCartney as well, some Kate Bush, some Stevie Wonder, and some new tracks as well. Absolute classic uh, Wildflowers track that's out at the moment that uh, is on the playlist. I highly recommend listening to that. But uh, I will be back, and coming up next we have a seasonal poem. First we have... From Samuel Coleridge, advice is like snow. The softer it falls, the longer it dwells upon and the deeper it sinks into the mind. And ivy symbolized prosperity and charity. It became associated with Christmas, a time to celebrate the rich rewards of life, yet remember the less fortunate. Christian symbolists also consider ivy's need to cling to the support emblematic of man's need for divine support. Have a lovely festive weekend. Until we talk again, cheerio for now.